Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. series uh, called Given to be Given, and it's a look at spiritual gifts uh, as a community. One of the things that we've sort of identified uh, in terms of uh, maybe a need or, or a challenge or a, a something that we want to do is to grow in that area in terms of helping our people identify what gifts they have that God's given them and begin to see people empowered and moving and flowing uh, in them so that we can really just get out there and accomplish the mission that God's given us at a, at a higher level. Uh, if we look at uh, the gifts that we have and the talents that we have and the abilities and all of that, uh, we recognize that uh, they're, they're meant, and this has been part of the teaching we've looked at, meant really to sort of build up the body of Christ and strengthen it and, and, and grow the church. And then to think of the church as really something that is uh, given to the world. So the gifts are for the body, the body of Christ, and of course the body of Christ is for the world. Uh, we're made for uh, this area. We're made for this region. We're made for the people around us uh, to see that this church is a place that is proclaiming the gospel in sort of Carlton Place and Almont and uh, wherever, we, wherever we are, wherever we're coming from. And that's our heart. If we look around, um, we sort of throw around numbers all the time, but if you just drive up and down the street in Carlton Place or Almont or through Beckwith or any of the sort of areas within driving distance of here, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 90%, at 85, 90% of the people that you'll just lay eyes on in a grocery store or in your workplace or wherever you are, are people that don't know that the creator of the universe even exists in some cases, or they don't know that he's relevant to their lives, or they don't know that he's uh, somebody who loves them or cares about them. And the idea of coming uh, somewhere to worship him is the furthest thing from them, or the idea of giving them their lives and learning to follow him and trying to become like him, become disciples of Jesus, is one of the things that's furthest from their minds. So uh, what we really are doing when we look out at all of the people around us is we see just an incredible opportunity uh, to care for people, an incredible opportunity to reach them. Now, we're not going to be able to reach them all. We're not going to be able to connect with them all. But uh, each of us have enough relationships and enough connection uh, that, that we could probably say in this room that we probably know 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 people uh, that could stand to hear the message of the gospel uh, proclaimed to them uh, with love and with confidence and with authority. And that's something that we uh, want to be a church that can do that. Um, and part of that means uh, being sort of a, a church that is really using all of the gifts and talents uh, that's available to it. But when we say spiritual gifts uh, as a church, we hear um, all kinds of different things. Uh, if you've come from a brethren background, you think one thing. If you've come from a charismatic background, you think one thing. If you come from a Christian reform background, you might think one thing. If you're coming from Baptist, you think one thing. We're coming from all kinds of different places, Roman Catholic, Anglican. Uh, we as a church are a church that really has drawn people from a huge spectrum. And so part of the idea in this series is to begin to try to set plumb lines for us, uh, for our ministries, so that we can sort of say, hey, this is what we mean, so that we have a common language and a way to measure, are these gifts uh, that we're talking about and teaching about that are gifts that are biblical and from the Holy Spirit, uh, are we using them in a way that is actually fulfilling the mission that we're called to, and are we using them according to God's purposes? And so we've uh, been talking about some different plumb lines over the last little while, and uh, the first sort of three that we talked through are, you know, is it, uh, does it reveal Jesus as Lord? And this is just a different ordering of what I've done in the past. Uh, does it glorify Jesus and not me? That's a pretty good thing. It, pretty good idea. Should we ask that question? Does my gift glorify me or does it glorify Jesus? Uh, is it biblical? Uh, does it need the other gifts? So are we interdependent? Are we respecting and appreciating and loving the other gifts of people? Uh, does it encourage and honor and lift up the body? Is it serving? Is it submitted? Uh, is it producing good character? We talked about love in Jake's sermon uh, number two. Uh, you know, is, is it really uh, coming out of love? And then, of course, we see that definition of love in 1 Corinthians is all about good character. Uh, so is it loving? And is it authentic? Of course, we want to know if it's real. 
and if it's coming from God. So these are all sort of big questions. We're going to talk through them uh, over the course of the series a little bit more. But what I wanted to do today was to begin to identify some of the specific gifts and present them to you uh, in terms of from the scriptures and what maybe they mean, and to begin to present them to you in a way that you can begin to identify and ask the question, hey, is this a gift that I have? Is this a gift that I'm using to glorify God? Is this a gift that is being used in the church? Or is it a gift that's sort of dormant? Or is it a gift that I'm using for my own purposes? Or is it, is it a gift that I'm using in my workplace, but I'm not using it for the church? But where are the gifts in the community? Who has them? How can we as a church identify them? How can you identify them within yourself? And how can they be put uh, to the ground and used uh, for the furtherance of God's kingdom? And so where I want to start with that is to just read the key texts, the key lists of gifts that are in the scriptures. So we're going to start there and then we're going to just begin to unpack. And I'm talking fast because it's exciting and there's so much, whoo, yeah, there's so much to talk about. God is good. Is everybody hanging on? Hang on tight. Here we go. It's good. Uh, so I want to just read these texts to us. Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 5 to 7 is where we're going to start. In Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have given different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage or exhort, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is leading, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul uh, outlines more in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 7 uh, to 11. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Again, these are the biblical gifts that Paul saw when he was teaching and preaching and, and seeing that the gospel was going forth in his missionary church planting efforts. He was seeing these gifts surface and he was writing about them to see that they were stewarded well. Uh, further on in uh, 1 Corinthians verse 12, 28 to 30, and God has given in the church first the apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, um, and then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? He's saying that some have these, some don't have these, but we have them collectively and together. Ephesians 4, he's writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. He's talking about the gospel. Jesus was raised from the, from the grave uh, after he, was, uh, he died on the cross and was buried. And he rose and he led um, forth captives. He set people free. And he gave gifts to men. Um, and he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists, the shepherds, or pastors and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Unity is so important. And the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so here we have a whole bunch of different passages. We're not going to take a ton of time to just sort of go through them and unpack them all together, but what we want to do is sort of extract from them a list of some of the gifts of the Spirit that appear in them. And so we see uh, these lists from Romans, from 1 Corinthians, from Ephesians, and then we have a few miscellaneous passages sprinkled throughout the Scriptures. We're not going to read them all with exciting gifts for the 20-somethings like celibacy, and, uh, and things like that. Hospitality, gift of martyrdom, who's praying that they would receive that one? Um, mission, the gift of, of missionary uh, calling, uh, the gift of, of volunteering, the gift of giving your life that way, and then, of course, the gift of poverty, which is one that we're all really, really excited about. Um, so we have all of these gifts uh, and this whole suite of gifts that are talked about in the Scriptures, and we're going to begin to just sort of navigate through them, but uh, we're going to just break them down into segments. Uh, so that we can make it a little bit easier to talk about them, a little bit easier to, to see them. Now, there are different ways to organize them. The ways of organizing these gifts themselves aren't biblical. This is just other writers who have sort of said, hey, these are sort of some rough categories uh, that we can sort of talk about these things together, uh, but let's sort of try to make sense of it this way. And so one of these formulations of the gifts or ways of breaking them down is from a gift, book called uh, Spiritual Gifts, 
that was written quite quite a while ago, um, and uh, and we've just sort of taken this guy's sort of formulation and put it together. But what he's done is he's taken these gifts and broken them down into these three categories: love gifts, word gifts, and power gifts. And if we look at them, word gifts are things like apostleship. So these are gifts that are uh, speaking gifts, gifts that sort of are leading, uh, gifts that are sort of uh, head and word and thought oriented, uh, gifts that are about setting our trajectory and setting direction. Uh, so we have apostleship, teaching, exhortation, uh, encouragement, leadership or ruling, shepherding, pastoring, evangelism. Some people would put prophecy in this list, some people wouldn't. Uh, there are the love gifts like administration, serving, hospitality, mercy. These are gifts that are given uh, with our hands, in some ways given uh, with, our, with our bodies. And there's the power gifts, prophecy, tongues, interpretation, uh, faith, discernment, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and, and miracles. And we don't need to really have too much attention to all of those in terms of like memorizing the list or anything like that, but we want to be able to see the broad categories as we begin to unpack them. Uh, and what we really want in the end is a fully active body where all of those things are happening, right? We want to see all those gifts um, operating in the church. Um, and so if you look at them, uh, these love gifts Again, this is a, not necessarily a biblical way of categorizing them, but I think it's just a helpful framework for us to look at it. If you look at these love gifts, uh, these love gifts of service and helps, they manifest the love of God in practical ways, uh, in, in very tangible ways, uh, very practical ways. Like I, I'm giving my money. I have a spiritual gift to give that way. I, I have a gift of hospitality. Uh, I have a gift of administration. Uh, these are things that sort of really practically build up the body of Christ. They're word gifts that really clarify the nature, action, and purposes of God, right? So we look at those leadership kind of uh, word-oriented gifts as things that are really clarifying to the body and clarifying to the community, hey, what is it that you are called to do here and now in this time and in this space? What are you called to do? And then there's the power gifts that demonstrate the power, presence, and reality of God. And so we see in here, again, this isn't necessarily a biblical formulation, but things like prophecy and things like healing and, and uh, gifts of tongues and all of these things which are sort of designed to uh, really let us see the supernatural power of God at work in the community where we see things happening and hear things spoken that absolutely undeniably uh, can't have come uh, from a human source so that our activities and actions are clearly seen to be something that are divine. And so we look at all these things together. And one of the problems that we have, though, in the body of Christ, like broadly, is that uh, some of these gifts and some of these sort of categories uh, are emphasized in one church uh, over another or in one community over another, and other parts are sort of left behind. And if you sort of take those categories and just play with them a little bit, if you look at um, something like uh, the love gifts, um, you might see that uh, a lot of sort of our, our more liberal mainline sort of churches in Canada are a place that have really emphasized uh, those gifts. But when it comes to the gifts like the word gifts, like the, uh, the teaching, the preaching, uh, that kind of uh, really passionate uh, longing to see people connected to a biblical framework for living, you'll see in some of those churches where it'll be like, we're going to do Jesus this week and Buddha next week. And, uh, and we'll see that there's sort of something that's possibly can, can go offline in those spaces. And you'll see certainly in a lot of those sort of mainline churches, you won't see a flow of, of healing and miracles and things like that. Um, and so there's a, there's a couple of missing pieces in terms of gifts operating in those communities. If you look at, at some of our churches where they're highly emphasized word gifts without a heart of compassion, a heart of care, and really strong sort of administrative uh, leading in the community. Uh, you have all kinds of these beautiful evangelical churches that believe everything in the Bible and follow it and love it, but they're, they're still declining, they're still shrinking because there's no sense of the power and presence and glory of God uh, flowing out of them. And so we don't want to be that either. Uh, and we don't want to be a church that's just purely focused and emphasized on the power gifts, on prophecy and healing and miracles without a sense that we really need uh, the foundations of the scriptures. And we need that sort of, that level of leadership and a heart of compassion to go out and reach people. Otherwise, we become churches that are just charismatic chaos and going off into to cuckoo town, right? Uh, so we want to have all of it operating.
all together all at once. And this is what we want to be at OVV. And we don't always do it right. We often sort of swing from one to the other or emphasize one or not the other. We don't always get this right. Uh, but we want to be a community where we're, that is committed to function at all of these levels to the best of our abilities and to keep these things in balance. And so that's our, our heart is to see if you're here and you've got those love gifts, we want to see those built up in you and we want to see ministries that are full of mercy and reaching out and caring for the poor and we're trying to figure out how to build that. If you've got word gifts and passion for teaching and study and, and hearing uh, the voice of God uh, speak to the community and giving direction and leadership, we want to see those gifts uh, raise up in the community. And if you've got gifts of healing uh, and miracles and things, that you want to begin to pray for the sick. That's an underdeveloped part of who we are, and we want to see that uh, raised up and operating and functioning in the community. We want the whole spectrum, the whole package, and that's what we're about. Uh, we want all of the gifts in the room, and this is a living room. Uh, this is what often like our leadership team meetings look like, is they look like a group of people that are gathered in the living room. When our leadership team uh, meets, we don't uh, meet in a boardroom because that would be really stuffy and we think that it would just wouldn't be the right sort of chill environment for us. But when we meet in the living room, we meet and we try to make sure that all of those gifts are operating. And one of the challenges in that is, is that all of those gifts are operating, right? <laughs> All of those gifts are operating in the room. So just, I'm just going to tell you a little story of our last leadership meeting. We're all sort of wonderful, passionate people, all people with, uh, with great and amazing gifts. And we were trying to decide about a particular ministry, if it was something that we were going to fund and go forward with and make it work or not. And we had somebody in our leadership community who's looking at that thing and saying, first thing they're saying is, yeah, if we go all in on this, the problem is we're going to pull resources from Sunday school and we're going to pull all resources from here. We've got to really think carefully about how this fits in with the other organizational things in the church. And this person is a person with a beautiful, strong gift of administration operating lovely, beautifully. Uh, this is a particularly a mercy uh, sort of uh, mission that we were thinking about doing. And the people with strong mercy gifts like Amber are looking and saying, yep, no brainer, let's do it. If Leanne is in the house, it's like, we're done, we're there, let's do it. Let's find the money, let's make it happen, let's go, go, go. We've got another guy in the room who's thinking, man, he's a, sort of a head-oriented person who is thinking, man, we really want to have a, a sense that we're doing discipleship well, and I think we're missing discipleship. Is discipleship a vision piece that really should be ahead of this mercy piece? And, and he's looking at it from his gift's perspective, right? Because that's his gift, that's his thing. So he's looking at it through that lens, right? And I'm looking at it with my sort of apostolic leadership lens, and I'm sort of thinking, ah, let's give it a try. Let's go forward. Who cares? Let's go, right? And I'm not thinking about the consequences hardly at all. Let's just start it and see what happens, right? We have a whole bunch of people with all kinds of different gift mixes in the room uh, bringing uh, our, our wisdom to bear on a particular question, a particular decision. And one of the great challenges for us as a church in maintaining unity, especially when we're full of passionate, gifted, amazing people, is to be able to see uh, the challenge that's in front of us and the question that's in front of us uh, through the lens of not only our own gifts, but the gifts of, of everybody and come to a place of unity and being guided by the vision that God's giving us to make a decision. And that's the way it works. And it probably works that way in your home. Anybody have uh, that difference in your home? Like maybe uh, the wife in the house has this extreme mercy gift and the husband in the house has an accounting uh, administration gift. Do you ever find any tension like that in, in the household? Or, or maybe it slips the other way? Like, yeah, absolutely, let's give it all away. Let's spend it, let's do it, let's give it. But, but what about the retirement fund? But what about the car payment? But what about the, right? So all, so often, one of the challenges that we have in, in the community, when we feel like there's division or we feel like there's struggle uh, going back and forth between how we make decisions, what we should do, what's going on very often isn't uh, a fundamental problem with this person because you, if you're the accountant person, you're looking at your wife, you think she's absolutely nuts and you're like, there's, you've got a serious problem, woman, you're giving away all the money, right? But it's not, it's gifts tension. It's gifts tension that's happening in the community, right? And really, both of those gifts are from God. And the challenge is to work together as a family or work together as a community to see that those gifts get to the ground and get working and get the kingdom moving forward. And that's a great challenge. And there's all sorts of struggles with that. We can be threatened by one another. We can wrestle with all kinds of different things. But the challenge is to get all of the gifts working together, to bless the gifts in others, uh, use the gifts that are in yourself, and do it all with humility, all with submission, to the body and see it all going forward uh, with passion and with integrity. 
So as leaders, uh, we're trying to learn not to see or judge the church or others through the lens of our own personal gifts, but to see uh, and be overseers who see over the whole body of Christ. So we can see your gifts and your talents and your abilities and see them rise up and begin to accomplish the things in the community that God wants us to accomplish. And so what we're talking about today is uh, the love gifts in particular. So we're going to start there. Let's start with uh, those gifts. Paul sort of talks about uh, the gifts that are sort of seem most noble, like prophecy and, and apostleship and all of these sort of things. Paul really is really clear in the scriptures. He doesn't want us to see those things uh, as ranked gifts in terms of what's important and what's not. He says, the gifts that seem most humble among you are meant to be elevated, are meant to be lifted up above, above the others. And so we're taking these gifts, the quiet gifts, some of these gifts that are background gifts, some of the things that are happening that none of you know about, and we're bringing them right uh, into the center. But the first question I wanted to sort of ask you is, how do we identify our gifts? How do you know uh, what gifts you have? I'm talking fast, I gotta have a drink. How do you know what gifts you have? One of the ways you can do it is uh, through a spiritual gifts test. So just for fun, I made Anna do a spiritual gifts test last night, which was super great. Um, because she is of the particular personality type that doesn't like doing spiritual gift tests. Uh, so <laughs> that's, that's a part of it there. She's a, she'd be a disc, uh, Gord's a disc guy. She's a C, and she sort of likes that evaluative piece, but if it doesn't fit her measures, she's like, this is not work, this doesn't match up, this test is dumb, blah, 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 blah. She's figuring it all out like that, right? Um, so I made her do this gifts test, and, uh, and it came out when she did the gifts test that she is high, high prophecy apostolic leadership. Now, any of you who know Anna know that she loves more than anything else to be behind the scenes and serving, which is why she was here at 9 o'clock today moving all the desks and tables in the Sunday school room, uh, setting it all up for you. So why did that sort of gifts thing identify her as that sort of apostolic leadership deal? Well, because in her mind, she reversed it because she's part dyslexic, and so everywhere she was supposed to put a one, she put a five, and everywhere she was supposed to put a five, she put a one, and everything else in between. <laughs> So we just reread her test from the bottom up, and it made a lot more sense. <laughs> so gifts tests are okay. In terms of spiritual gifts tests, to be honest, we haven't seen a lot that we really like out there in terms of a tool to use. Subject to a lot of interpretation, right? Um, and she, I had permission to tell this story, uh, just so you know. Um, so, so that's a piece of it. That can be sort of a useful tool. But to be honest, in my experience, I haven't really seen that as the best way to identify what a person's spiritual gifts are. Uh, the best way to really identify what your spiritual gifts are is to ask your friends and your leaders. Because they probably know what your spiritual gifts are better than you do. Right? If you're talking about spiritual gifts and you both have a common language and common framework, talk to your home church leader, talk to your group's leader, and say, hey, uh, we're talking about this spiritual gifts thing in church. Like, what do you see in me? And that person may say, every time we show up at your house, you've got the place decked out, and you've got the candles lit, and you've got everything going, and the food made, and you've made 27 different uh, kinds of pie, and you're Leanne Robinson, and I think maybe you may possibly have a gift of hospitality, or whatever it is, right? Your people around you, even if you don't know what your gifts are, uh, you know what your gifts are. You know what your talents are uh, through the eyes and through the lens of the people uh, that know you and love you. And then the second thing that's really important is to, to really to just pray and to ask the Lord. Sometimes these things feel like they're actually sort of sovereignly assigned, and sometimes they come uh, from the Lord just as a gift. That was my experience with the gift of tongues. Any of you who are cessationists are now freaking out and ready to leave the building, but I'm a person who has the gift of tongues. Um, and so when I had this uh, radical experience in my teens, uh, with, there was an encounter with, with Jesus and a call to ministry, I became passionate about reading the scriptures, and I started reading the Bible, and I read through all of the, Paul's teaching on tongues, and Paul saying, you know, I wish that you spoke in tongues uh, more. I speak in tongues more than all of you, but hey, here's the parameters around how it should be done. I just said to the Lord, Lord, if, if, if uh, the gift of tongues is, is a gift that I have or I could have, could, could I know about that? Could I have that? And immediately I began to speak in tongues in my room. 
simple as a good Baptist boy with no Pentecostal or charismatic framework, whatever. And I'm like, holy cow, this is great. What the heck's going on here, right? But so that was just an experience uh, in relationship with the Lord where he sort of poured that, that gift out of my life. And for me, that's been a, a tremendously encouraging part of my life when I'm struggling, when I'm wrestling, when I'm coming to a meeting that I'm like, oh man, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? I'm discouraged. You know, in the car, I will pray. I'll pray in tongues. I'll ask the Lord to, to release that gift. And it says in the scriptures, tongues, when you speak in tongue, you encourage yourself. And by the time I get out of the car, I am in better shape than I was uh, when I got into it. Every single time. Because the gift flows and it works. And, and, it, and it's miraculous and wonderful. And it's, and it's been a huge blessing to me. So you identify your gifts really through the lens of your community and through your friends, and through your leaders, and of course, out of your relationship with the Lord. And so we're going to just begin to talk about four specific gifts today, and we're going to just start with the gift of administration, because that sounds like the most fun one. Um, it sounds like the one that I don't have, just so you all know. Uh, we talked about that a few weeks ago, never ever hand me a piece of paper um, and expect it to get to where you wanted it to go, because a piece of paper does not uh, have a hold on my mind at all. Linda knows this because she tracks my receipts, right? She has a gift of administration. Um, and so we, uh, we, we look at that and we say, okay, so who has that gift? What is it? I want to unpack it a little bit in the scriptures. Uh, the word for administration uh, is uh, kybernesis, which is uh, a word in Greek that actually means a helmsman. It's a helmsman. It's somebody who steers... A ship. Now, a helmsman isn't uh, the person who owns the ship. Uh, helmsman isn't the captain of the ship. Helmsman isn't the navigator of the ship. But the ship doesn't go anywhere unless the helmsman turns the wheel. Helmsman has a direct connection to the functionality of the ship in order to make it go the direction that God is calling it to go. And if we didn't have administrators on the helm uh, making things practically happen in this church in terms of accounting, in terms of setting stuff up, in terms of organizing the structures, in terms of organizing our volunteer teams, I could have all the vision in the world for what God wanted us to do and it would absolutely go nowhere. It would go absolutely nowhere. It would just heal over and just be blown wherever the wind takes it, and it would just be, it would be a disaster. It would be a sunken ship. We absolutely need uh, people who know how to organize people and put things together and, and make them happen and make it work. Uh, we see this um, in terms of a definition uh, in a book by a guy named Bruce Bugby, uh, called, which is an awesome name, by the way, um, called What Do You Do Best in the Body of Christ? And, and I just want to read this quote for us. Administration is the divine ability to understand what leaders need to make an organization function and the special ability to plan and execute procedures that accomplish the goals of the ministry. Now, that doesn't sound spiritual at all, but it absolutely is a supernatural, God-given, spiritual gift. And if you have that gift, uh, you may not feel like you're spiritual. You may not feel like you're prophesying. You may not feel like this is a tongue. You may not feel like it's one of the wow, zip, zang, bang, wow gifts. But it is absolutely a critical, essential gift in the body of Christ and is to be held in high honor. It's absolutely valued. I want to tell you about one of the most gifted administrative people I know. is a pastor in Toronto. He was on our staff when we were uh, there. And, and this guy just had like the most amazing gift to see people and, and structures and organize them in a way that got them from A and B. And when I saw this most clearly was when we went down to a pastor's retreat. We were in uh, going to uh, North Carolina, and we flew in uh, to the airport there, and we landed, and we're like a bunch of disorganized people getting off the plane, kind of tired and groggy and whatever. And uh, and Steve steps up, and Steve says, "Okay, so you're going here, you're going here, you're going here, you're going here." And in about three minutes, he had us all without like without a word of a lie, and try to do this with 27 pastors. There are 27 of us, had us all standing in a line 
marched out to the door of the airport with our bags and all in cars of the people who were picking us up, specifically organized so that I was sitting beside a driver of somebody with whom I had a personal affinity and shared stories and a shared stage of life with. And I realized that I, I, I went from the baggage claim to sitting beside this person that I need to have a conversation with, and I had no idea how it happened. I had no idea how it happened. I just, I just sat down in the car and I was like, how, how did I even get here? Like, what's going on? And Steve did the whole thing and he did it with all of us and he did it without any effort. Or not no effort that we could see. It was a natural flowing gift of just shepherding, organizing people and getting them there. That's what we need in the body of Christ to help us with our volunteer structures and our organization is to get those people empowered and doing the stuff that they're supposed to do so that guys like me aren't banging my head against the wall all the time, right? Uh, that person who can look at an Excel spreadsheet and say, whoa, glory to God, it balances. <laughs> right? That's a person with a gift of administration. And we need those people in the body of Christ uh, so badly, right? And so here's the question. Does administration feel like worship to you? There are some of you for whom uh, taking those tasks on and doing those things feels like glory to God. It feels so good that these numbers work out. <laughs> Look at all the people. We have the whole volunteer roster filled. If that's you, if you have your heart sing when that stuff goes on, it's probably because you have a spiritual gift of administration. And we need to recognize it and see it in the body of Christ. And, and, and as leaders, pray that the, the Spirit of God sort of fans the flame of that gift and it comes into its fullness and comes into, into beautiful fruitfulness in the body of Christ. The next gift we want to talk about is serving and hospitality. I'm just going to read this. This is one of the ones that appears in three of the lists, and, and Paul is like really diligent to mention it. We're going to read 2 Peter, though, uh, 4, uh, 10 to 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's various grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks, or speak as one who speaks as oracle... Okay, I gotta try that again. As good stewards of God's very disgrace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that everything God in that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. What I just want to point out there is that uh, these gifts of service are, are so often unseen. They're so often happening over here. And sometimes we don't even know what we're doing. Like Robert was here. Uh, he was setting up sound and organizing it and getting everything ready for us to go today so that the worship team had all the stuff that they needed. He didn't know what Anna was doing down the hall, and Anna didn't know what he was doing down the hall. Very often, these practical gifts, you know that every Sunday, you guys, maybe if you come here at 1030, maybe you imagine that this is all magic, but it's not magic. Somebody sets up the chairs and somebody makes your coffee and somebody puts out the tablecloths and somebody sets up the kids' room. When we go into the Sunday school rooms, like when I was in there last week setting up, um, I went in there and there was this crazy apparatus with plywood and welded steel and cables set up in the middle of our nursery. And I had to take a picture of that thing and take it all apart and fold it all up and put it in the corner and, uh, and, and then try to remember how it went back together so I could put it back together for the shop teacher because it, would look, it actually it looked like kind of like a giant mouse trap. And if we got like our Sunday school kids in there, it was like, wham, it was going to just nail some little kid that crawled in under there. Right? And that's what we come into every single week in this church. And maybe you think it's magic that you come into the Sunday school rooms and there's mats and everything set up. But people with gifts... Um, of service, uh, do that. And we need more of you to come in and to do that and to give your gifts and offer them for the kingdom. And or we need to take up a building offering like right now because I can't do the mousetrap thing for too many more weeks, right? Like, like there's, there's practical things that people do that are so important in the community. But the point is, and Paul makes it so clear in this text, is that those practical service gifts are part of what gives glory to God. 
They're part of what gives him glory and gives him honor. And so we honor those gifts and we're thankful for those people that pour them out in the community. And we want to see them released and serving. Uh, the gift of service, uh, to just take another definition, another phrase, the gift of service refers to the capacity uh, to unselfishly meet the needs of others through very practical service. It's just very, very, very practical stuff. And your heart may resonate with that. Like, please don't take me to another meeting talking about vision. Please, like, Lord have mercy, I want to rip my hair out. Just let me do something practical, right? Some of you are totally wired that way. Let me serve out in the community. Um, there, you know, I want to tell a story, and this is another pastor's story, but it's such a great one. I, I, I can't resist telling it. This is the famous grumpy cat off the internet. You've probably, if you've flicked through Instagram, you've probably seen one or two memes. Uh, this is one of the memes. I don't like warning people or mornings, or people. <laughs> and this is another pastor's story, but, but there's a, a person who, who's part of their community that was one of these people that is like Grumpy Cat. You know Grumpy Cat in your life? Like maybe that person uh, in, in your workplace has their cubicle and they have actually the Grumpy Cat picture up. This person was like a Grumpy Cat picture on my cubicle, like don't disturb me before noon uh, kind of a person. Uh, just like, oh, just give me a break with the humans. Like let's not do humans anymore, right? And, uh, and this, this person sort of came into their church, came into the Alpha, and uh, came through the Alpha, the Holy Spirit weekend, and experienced uh, a moment of deliverance, moments of being set free, and a moment of being filled uh, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Grumpy Cat came down from the wall. Like a person like radically uh, transformed by receiving a spiritual gift. And that person, who used to be Grumpy Cat person who probably had B.O. or stayed in their basement or whatever it was that the Grumpy Cat people do, um, and, uh, and came out and became their, their lead hospitality person in the church. Like fully released and doing it as helping the team set up coffee and being that person uh, who at their coffee table was there like, oh, I have a few minutes time, let me fill your coffee for you here. God bless you. Hope you have a great day from grumpy cat to that. So some of us uh, have uh, natural gifts that, and a natural way of being uh, that, that is who we think we are, but it can really happen that when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and he assigns a gift to you, you can be set free uh, to operate in a way that you never imagined you could operate before because the Holy Spirit's in charge and he assigns gifts to people the way he wants to. So the question for you is, if you're that kind of person who loves uh, to see uh, people uh, have a good cup of coffee, who loves to do hospitality, have them in your home, who loves to just quietly do a job that nobody else is seeing, uh, whatever the case that is with you, if you're that person, uh, let that be worship to you. And if that is worship to you, and you're using that gift in your workplace, and you're not using it in the church, let us know. Like, come, let your spiritual gift be a gift to the body of Christ. Because we need people with those gifts uh, to help us with the crazy mousetrap in the Sunday school room. Right? <laughs> We need those gifts. We need people to, to pour those things out. If that's you, uh, recognize that God's put that incredibly beautiful thing inside of you and that it's meant to be offered uh, as a gift to the body of Christ. Uh, the third gift uh, that we're going to talk about is the gift of mercy. I'm just going to read this uh, text again. If your gift, uh, this is Romans 12, uh, 8. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage ex or exhort, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is leading, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And I want us to just unpack those two words, mercy and, uh, and cheerfully, together. The first word, mercy, is, is a really interesting word. Almost any word that we see in the Greek or, or in the Hebrew, especially something that's uh, in the Greek that's been sort of... Uh, brought forward from the Septuagint translation of the scriptures, which is a, uh, a translation of the old Hebrew scriptures uh, made into, into Greek so the Greek readers could read it. Um, that word el, eleo, which means God, is to show mercy, show God's mercy uh, as it accords with his truth and with covenant loyalty. And so very often you'll see uh, somebody in the scriptures, in Jesus' story, crying out to him, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Wherever we see that word mercy used, it's like an appeal to uh, an authority. It's like an appeal to, to God saying, hey, God, you see me, you know me, uh, you're the sovereign Lord of the universe. Would you uh, bring your kingdom decision-making authority, power to bear to deliver me from my situation or help me or heal me. And so when somebody is calling uh, for mercy, you're calling out to somebody who is way up here and saying, let your mercy, let your mercy be poured out on me. And so when we see this gift of mercy, uh, if you um, have a gift of mercy, do it cheerfully. What it's saying is be an extension of God's covenant love for human beings. So there's just more weight to that word than just like, ah, I just sort of pity you, like poor old you. Yeah, I guess I could deign to give you a little bit of time and reach down from my high and lofty place and throw you a bone. It's not like that. There's like a covenant commitment to love that goes with this gift. There's something important there. There's something beautiful there. Um, but then Paul adds this. He says, uh, if, if your gift is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And that word cheerfully is a really interesting word, hilarious which is where we get the word hilarious. It's the root of the word hilarious. So if you uh, have a gift to show God's covenant mercy with all of that weight, do it cheerfully. Uh, and that, what that means is you've been already won over to joy. It's like you're joyful before it's even started. Uh, you're ready to respond from a willing spirit. So if you are, are one who has that gift to pour out God's covenant mercy on those who have a need, the call is to do it uh, with hilarity. The call is to do it joyfully and cheerfully. And I just want to point out that this is a little bit contrary to what we see in terms of the spirit of the age right now. Because what we see in terms of mercy and justice ministry operating in our society is something that much more offers out of a, uh, or is, is offered out of sort of an, an angry, kind of a justice-oriented, angst-filled advocacy that people have in their hearts. And I think we as Christians might be called to do the same acts of mercy, but to do them in a completely different spirit to do them in a spirit of joy, to do them in a spirit of cheer, to do them in a sense that we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, that we've been pre-prepared to do those things as gifts from God and offer them to them, so they're to him. So we often see in Christian circles that, that in churches that are trying to sort of look relevant and be relevant and connect with the culture, uh, we see this sort of, we're taking on this spirit of the age that is like, hey, let's just be uh, angst-ridden and angry and do justice. Um, I think the spirit of Jesus operating through the gifts in us wants us to maybe even do the same things but do them with an incredibly joyful spirit filled with his love. And, and so uh, just, that's just an encouragement to you. If you have a mercy gift and you find it being tweaked by everything that you see on Instagram and you find yourself going down the path of this sort of, the world is an evil place and I need to fix it, uh, you need to say, hey, Father, t tune up my gift for me and let me do it out of a passion and a joy and a love uh, that comes from you. And then you can feel the weight of the call to make a difference in the world, but you can do it with joy and in a way that's, that's bearable, in a way that brings encouragement, in a way that brings life and light to us. So I think there's a distinct way that Christians are to offer, operate this differently. And we saw this like in a beautiful, beautiful way. Uh, this isn't like an extreme justice scenario, but um, this is our Almont Home Church um, who went up and, and just went to help and, and clean up some people who... Uh, had, a, had a new property, and it was a place that they were able to purchase, but it needed an incredible amount of work. And, it, and I, I can't show you all the pictures, but if you scroll through picture after picture after picture, these guys are hauling wood and scrubbing dust and, and, and you know, wiping down mold and, like, rubbing uh, elbows with each other and, and using elbow grease in, like, an incredible way. But there's not a one of them that doesn't have a smile on their face from ear to ear. They're moving in this incredible passion uh, to do service and mercy, but it, you can tell that they're totally filled with joy in it. And, and they received more in joy, I think, probably than they poured out in the time that they, that they did working there because they were operating uh, out of uh, the leadership of some of the people in their, in their community, in their home church that had this incredible gift of mercy and was able to operate in joy. So the question for you is, does mercy feel like worship to you? 
Does pouring out mercy uh, in a way like that feel like the way that you want to worship Jesus? And you need to recognize that, that that's a gift that we want to bless in the community and a gift that we want to see uh, released in the community to, to operate in a new and fresh and, and beautiful way. It's something we long to see. So if you're here and you're resonating with this, like, hey, this is where I love to be. I, I'm not like angsty about it, but I like get joy from the Holy Spirit every time I want to give a gift like this and I want to pour something out, then, then that's maybe a way to identify that that's a spiritual gift that you have in you, something that we need to fan into flame. And the last gift that we're going to talk about this morning is the gift of giving. I'm just going to read the text again, uh, just the end of Romans uh, 12, 8. Uh, if it is giving, then give generously. If it is leading, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. It's the same text that we just read. Um, and, and the question is, if it's giving, then give generously. What does that word generously mean? Because again, as Paul is offering these words along with the gift, he's wanting to instruct us and wanting to give us a, a little bit of color, a little bit of sense about what it's about. Uh, and this word generously means it's given in simplicity, without hiddenness, without folds, like a piece of cloth unfolded. That's the image that Paul is evoking when he talks about giving generously. Now, we're all called to give generously. There are some ways in which giving is something that is a, is a call to the body of Christ, like all of these gifts, right? If it's not your extreme spiritual gift, you know, uh, doing acts of mercy, that's a spiritual discipline for you. Or serving and setting up chairs, that's a spiritual discipline for you if it's not your greatest joy. Uh, whatever it is, we do all these things together. So we're all called uh, to give and to give generously, but there's some of us that have just an extreme gift that's a spiritual gift that operates. You can't not want to give the stuff that you have when you see a need. Someone with a spiritual gift of generosity uh, doesn't see what they have as theirs. Uh, that idea of the folded cloth, it's like, you can think of it almost like a wallet, right? Like I have uh, this and I could give... Um, this much money here, like really, really gratefully, and like this is what I, what I have. This is for Gord right here. There you go, buddy. Uh, it's five bucks for for Gord. But you don't know how much more I have in here, right? Like this is this. We're gonna keep this all here, and I'm gonna just. You guys don't need to know about what's going on there. What's going on in my bank account? Somebody who gives generously, uh, who gives with the unfolded cloth, like the wallet is open. It's like make it rain, make it rain, make it rain. We're gonna. We're going to make it happen, right? And, and I think that, that there are people in the community that have that gift. It's like, it's not like I don't have something that's just mine that's folded up in my little cloth. All of it belongs to the body and all of it belongs to the kingdom. And I just want to pour it out. I just want to pour it out. Um, I, think, I think I'm one of those people. I think if I was going to identify spiritual gifts... Uh, I, think, I think that's one of mine. And, and, and I want, the reason I'm telling you that is because uh, when you think of those gifts of, of generosity or the gift of giving, you often imagine that that's a gift that you want the really rich people to have. I'm not the really rich people. <laughs> but I think I have that gift. Because there's something in me that, that is like when I see a need or see somebody who has uh, a need for something, there's something in me that just wants to find that money in the crack somewhere and give it out and do something. Uh, this picture here is a picture of a wooden box. And in that box was my grandfather's ruby ring. My grandfather uh, died quite a number of years ago, uh, just before the time when Anne and I got married. And one of the things that, that I received, you know, as, as an inheritance, as, as a gift from my grandfather, was this uh, really beautiful, um, it wasn't even that, that great really, but it was grandpa's, right? This, this ruby ring that he used to have and he used to always wear uh, on his hand. And this fall, I was uh, sitting at the mailbox, uh, you know, sat in the car, just looking through the mail, and another person rolled up, and sometimes I'll try to just make the opportunity to connect with somebody, so I actually did a fake out. I got out of the car and went to the mailbox knowing I'd already opened it so that I could stand beside this person and have a conversation with them um, just to get to know my neighbors and connect with them, so I did the fake mail open. Um, and as this person started to uh, unfold their story, it was a woman who uh, so many people on our street 
street uh, work at the military base uh, down the road at Dwyer Hill. And this was a woman whose husband had been deployed and uh, she was sort of managing the kids by herself and you could tell that she was in a hard place and, and she was distraught. And, and I asked her sort of what was going on and she's like, it's just one thing after another and I'm just so tired. I just miss my husband. I just need some help. Our washer is broken. It's gone. And, and I just, we just don't have money. I just can't get another washing machine. So I'm trying to run in and back to get uh, laundry uh, done. And uh, she just unloaded her frustrations, right? Well, there's something in me that couldn't stand that. And I knew that, that I could show this woman the love of Jesus in a radical way if I could do something about that presenting problem in her life. And so I marched home and I took my grandfather's rent because we had nothing. Like, we, we didn't have money to pay the bills ourselves. Like, we are in a tight place at that time. And I marched into the pawn shop and I emptied my bank account and I went and bought the lady a washing machine. I could not do that. There's this gift that operates in me that says there's nothing folded in the cloth that can't be given to the kingdom. And so I went to the Home Depot and, you know, in the little line that you can sort of put when you do uh, a purchase that's going to be delivered, it just said, you know, Jesus gives generous gifts to his children and a link to Bible Gateway. <laughs> she doesn't know where it came from. And I don't know the result of the story. But I remember I just happened to be in the living room at the moment when I saw the delivery truck. I go down the lane. And it was like, Woo! I'm broke. I can't pay my own bills. My grandfather's ring is gone. But Jesus is good. He's good. He's good. He loves people. He loves to pour. So and some of you have that gift of generosity that needs to be released in the church. We all need to give generously, but we need to see those of you who have that gift. Some of you, uh, and this is, this, is, you know, this is always the challenge with me, and I think it's always the challenge with you. Sometimes the most presenting problem you see is yourself, and you and me sometimes have the gift of generosity, and the person we want to visit that gift on is ourselves. And if that's you, if you're being so generous with yourself, and you don't know that you can trust God to care for you while you're generous with others, you need to know that he can do it. He can do a miracle for you, and he can provide for you. He loves you. When we offer our lives, when we offer our spiritual gifts before the Lord, uh, he fills us and he meets us in radical ways, and he provides for us. And there's so many times when we feel like we just have nothing. We have no strength. I have more, no more administrative ability to give. I gave that all at work. I have no more service ability. I, I did all the laundry in my house. I have no more whatever. The Lord uh, empowers you with a spiritual gift that enables you to go far beyond what you are physically, uh, naturally, normally capable of doing. And we want to see those gifts filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered in the community. And we want to see you rise up to do the things that God's called you to be and to be the people that God's called you to be. That the body might be built up because your gifts are for the body and the body is for the world. And that's how we're going to reach the community by getting those gifts going and flowing. Let's stand up. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.